All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Grease the Wheels. It's your Uncle Jimmy here. Tips and tricks and how-tos survive being an automotive technician in today's world. And in yesterday's world, well, you, you actually already survived yesterday's world, so congratulations on that. Let's hope uh, let's hope we can get through tomorrow and what the world is going to throw at us on that day. Uh, today's uh, podcast, I'd like to talk to you about service advisors, and I'd like to try not to swear too much, um, but I don't think I'm going to be able to, really, honestly, because service advisors wind me up. They uh, Some of the service advisors that I've had, uh, and I'm sure that if you've worked in this business for more than a couple of years, you've had several. And I got to be honest with you, probably several of them have been really fucking bad. Um, if you, the first thing you want to do when you're thinking about or you're talking to your service advisor is try to picture where he comes from, okay? And this is probably a large part of the problem, okay? Service advisors, they don't really need any skills other than they need to know how to type. And uh, some of them can't do that, uh, run into that. Um, they need to know how to understand things. And well, quite frankly, some of them don't know how to do that. Uh, they need to listen. And here again, they just don't know how to fucking do that either. The problem I have with service advisors, and, and we've all had problem service advisors, I know. We've all had, we've had some good ones. I have had some good ones. But the ratio of bad to good was fucking enormously bad to minusculely good, okay? Um, and I'll, I'll give you the, the, the exact personality traits and the skills necessary to be an excellent service advisor at the end, okay? Because there was one individual that I worked with who I, I got to say, I, I loved him. I can really honestly, as a man, I can say I loved another man. I, I'm very confident in my own sexuality, which by the way is my own because nobody else is going to own it. He was very, 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 very good at his job. And uh, of course, it was just kind of a fill-in job for him. And he's doing something else now. God bless him, okay? But we're going to talk about the bad things that the service advisors do that we don't want any part of anymore, okay? And uh, I'm going to just start right at the top of the list. Number one, service advisors don't need really any kind of a training whatsoever. I mean, you roll into a a shop or a dealership and, you, you know, you're applying for a job as a service advisor for some reason and you have no skills really i mean you know how to type maybe uh you can speak and read the native language uh and in you know some cases it's not english and, and if you know english and spanish which is, seems to be the second language of the united states then you're probably going to do fairly well in certain market if you're a female believe it or not you're going to do very well with the female customers so you've got 50 percent of your customers nailed down just by your gender okay and then i know that this is true because my mother used to drill this into me she used to bring her oldsmobile to the oldsmobile dealership which uh, dates me and my mother but she used to bring it to uh, a woman who worked at the uh, in the service department at the old dealer, and she loved her. When I talked to her, it was pretty obvious to me she didn't know her asshole from a hole in the ground. But my mom loved her, so that was fine with me, and, and got the car fixed, and probably didn't pay any more or any less than she would have if a service advisor had, had a penis. And there's that. Um, yeah, service advisors are typically highly untrained, unskilled individuals. They don't need, you know, there's no. There's no college anywhere training people to be service advisors. Sure, there's colleges training people to, you know, manage businesses and manage service departments and, and they're teaching them the skills they need to be in management at a dealership or they're training them to be a technician at a dealership. I mean, here's where, here's where you know, you need to learn things. But to be a service advisor, you don't need to learn anything, really. You just need to kind of show up, 
And if a customer walks in, you just talk to them. And, you know, a lot of us learned how to talk when we were like one, one and a half. So we should have that mastered by now, you would think. But it, you know, it doesn't always work out that way. And that, that really is kind of part of the problem that anybody can do it. Um, but that doesn't mean that anybody should do it. And in fact, there's a lot of people where they shouldn't do it at all. Some of the things that, that service advisors do that drive us crazy, and there's a m million things that they do. If you work in a place where your service advisor takes calls and makes appointments for service, they will sometimes, and it's just, it's all over the board with this one here. Sometimes they won't take in stuff where you as a technician could make a lot of money on it, but they don't take it in for who knows whatever reason, who, who knows what's going through their mind, if, if anything is. and. And sometimes they don't take in the work that you want to do or that you can do or that you like to do or that you could make a lot of money on or just make a, a good amount of money on. You know, they just for some reason don't do it. They schedule you lightly. Your service advisor will decide that he wants to have a light day. So he's going to make you have a light day, which I don't think any technician really wants a light. I mean, maybe there's times when a technician wants a light day, but he certainly doesn't want it to be somebody else's choice. That's for sure. I had a service advisor years ago who absolutely would not write ROs at certain times of the day for certain things. He would he was the worst he was the worst service advisor that I ever had and if I saw him walking down the road now I would run him over and make it look like an accident cuz he was a piece of shit. But he wouldn't write up tow-ins. He made he always tried to get one of the other advisors to write those up. He wouldn't write up walk-ins. If you walked in and you just wanted to get your car worked on, he wouldn't he would run and hide, go to the bathroom or something. He wouldn't he wouldn't write those up. He wouldn't write up waiters hate it didn't do it just didn't do it and he wouldn't write up anything after one o'clock and it was all out of fear the fear that he was not going to be able to leave when the clock struck five i am absolutely completely serious about this and my service manager and i've spoke of him before and i apologize if that particular podcast seemed like an angry diatribe it, it certainly was um, this was the service manager at the time who was a piece of shit uh I couldn't see that this guy was phoned it in basically he was killing us i went at the, the year he was my service advisor for about two years and in those two years my pay went down about fifteen thousand dollars a year he just he affected how much work i did how much work i could do and how much i would sell because i obviously you know i wasn't going to sell anything because it might take until after five o'clock to get it put on the car there was one time where he had to actually work after five o'clock and uh, oh my god you would think i'd killed his dog it was terrible. He was so, I, and I laughed at him because I, I knew, you know, that this piece of shit was just interested in leaving. That's all he wanted to do was just go home at five. At five o'clock, if, if he was still in the building at 5.01, I think his car would turn into a fucking pumpkin. That's, that's the kind of haste into which he left the building. This, this particular service advisor also uh, attempted to uh, weed out the experienced guys on his team he had uh, a couple of guys on his team who were master technicians myself being one of them and and then he had three guys who were well the best way to describe them quickly is to say that they were booger eating morons they were just not smart and so they never gave him any shit because he they didn't know that they could or should and eventually he won out he but he's not there anymore and i hear because i'm not there anymore i don't care i hope that he does get hit by a car yeah, he, uh, he was probably the worst service advisor I ever had, but he was in the running with some others. There was another guy there that I also worked for at the same shop who uh, used to try to get me to do things I absolutely didn't want, did not want to do or things that I shouldn't be doing.
One of the things that he scheduled in and he attempted to get me to do, and, and he was successful, was to put a convertible top on an old car, okay? And we're talking about a repair shop at a dealership, okay? I'm a technician. I don't work in an upholstery shop. But he insisted that I put this convertible top on this car. And uh, I, I probably... If I thought I could have gotten away with it, I probably would have murdered him. I, I think I should have. And I've heard this particular individual on the phone trying to explain to a customer how a system in their car works. And what he came up with some with what he came up with, what he came up with was some of the wildest science fiction I ever fucking heard. He was talking about tire pressure monitors and how they were monitored by microwaves from the trunk. And they had sensors in a wheel that put out a microwave and this thing sensed them and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? That is absolutely not how they work, you fucking moron. The best part was, because I was sitting here through the whole thing and my eyes were just, I'm about ready to fall out of my eye sockets. I'm like, what the, f what the fuck are you talking about? You have no idea what you're talking about. And he hung up the phone with the customer and he looked over at me and he must have seen a look on my face and he goes, I'm right, aren't I? And I went, no, you you couldn't be more, more wrong if you tried. You... I mean, the only thing you didn't say was that, you know, the tire pressure monitor works off of reflections from some swamp gas and the light from Venus. It's like total, it was total 1,000% bullshit. And this guy did this all the fucking time, especially to, to women, because, you know, in, in, his, in his mind, and I mean, I don't know if he's a misogynist or not, but in his mind, women would just eat up any old shit he shoveled them. And uh, it, it was terrible. You know what I mean? If... If one of these women was interested or concerned enough, and because I, I mean, you know, women these days are not, they're not stupid. Okay, if you think women are stupid, man, you got a big fucking problem, okay? Because they're not all stupid. Sure, some are, but some men are too. And I think that probably the stupidest human being I ever met was a man, so. But women will figure out if you're bullshitting them. And then you're fucked, okay? Because they start telling their friends, and women always have a lot more friends, and they talk a lot more, that's for sure. And they tell them, say, hey, you know, don't go to this place, because that guy tried to bullshit me. He told me some fucking crap crap about my tire pressure monitor that was like horseshit and so he just thinks i'm a fucking retard and guess what i'm not okay so i'm not taking my car there anymore one of the uh, one of the other things like i cannot stand about service advisors that they always try to shortchange their job okay now <laughs> one of the things that and i mean literally every single service advisor in the united states of america and probably in the world is supposed to do they're supposed to do this they're supposed to when a customer comes in they're supposed to get up out of their fucking chair which they're never going to do they're supposed to get up out of their chair and go look at the car okay there's a specific reason for that okay let's say the guy sideswipes a, a truck on his way to the dealership and he pulls in and he goes hey I'm, I'm here for service and he gets his car serviced and he comes back and he goes holy shit what did you do to my car there's a great big goddamn dent in it if you're a service advisor and you didn't get up out of your chair to go look at it and you have no way of knowing whether or not that actually happened at the shop because that shit does happen believe me it happens i have i saw a kid one time he smashed up a car twice two fucking times in 10 minutes and then he said nothing to nobody about it which is a whole nother podcast boys anyway yeah a service advisor is supposed to get up and go out and look at the car look it over you know look at the tires maybe check the gas gauge for fuck's sake uh does never do that and uh they're just not going to okay now some places they they force them to uh some places they make it easy for a service advisor to do these sorts of things they give them a, a tablet so they can actually write the car up while they're standing there looking at it so they're forced to at least see that the car's black or you know that it's got a dent in the hood or maybe the windshield's cracked or something so that the customer can't come back and say hey you know the technician he broke my windshield 
I was like, no, he didn't. I saw that when you pulled in, you fucking moron. What are you trying to pull on me? The other thing that I'm asked service advisors to do, and you would think, okay, now, as a technician, you know that this is true. You know this part is true. Besides the fact that they're not going to get up from their chair, okay? They're not going to get up from their chair. I think that being a service advisor, actually, just as a side note, would be a great job for somebody who's completely disabled. Because guys who are completely uh, able to get up out of their chair and go look at a car don't ever. And so if they're not going to do that and they can still do their job somewhat effectively, why not give it to somebody who just can't walk and has a real honest to God excuse for not looking at the fucking car? Why don't we do that? The other thing they do is they, they don't listen. Okay. This, this, you all, I know, I know all you, all you guys have run into this. All you boys have, have seen this and heard this. All you ladies who work on cars have heard this too. They don't listen to what the customer said. Customer says, oh, I've got a, a problem with the left taillight. I used to have a problem with the right taillight, but now I have a problem with the left taillight. You know what they're going to write? You know what the service advisor is going to write? Problem with the right taillight. That's what they're going to write because that's what they heard. That's, they, they heard, oh, you, you have a problem with the right taillight. No, I said I had a problem with the left. No, I'm pretty sure I heard you say right. I don't, I don't give a shit who you are. Human beings can't get shit straight, okay? It's like that old game you play in kindergarten where you sit around in a circle and you tell one kid a story and then they tell that story to, they whisper it to the kid next to him and then it goes around the circle and by the time it gets to the end it is all fucked up it doesn't bear any resemblance to the story that was told originally this is the same thing going on with service advisors okay the customer tells them one thing the advisor hears oh, who knows what they hear and then they write down on the ro if you're lucky enough to have them write it actually down they write down what they think they heard and then you as a uh technician get the car in and you have to decipher what the technician or excuse me what the advisor said you have to you have to you really need an enigma machine for this shit you know because they'll write something that doesn't make any sense she's like oh and i can't tell you how many times i've had to go up front to where an advisor is and go um what's wrong with this car oh this is she said this doesn't work I go, yeah, but that works. It works exactly the way it's supposed to. Oh, and then they call them and they find out that they just didn't fucking listen the first time. Does the customer say, no, no, that isn't what I said. So I guess maybe uh, what you should get your service advisor for a present, either at Christmas or Easter, or perhaps on their birthday, is a big box of fucking Q-tips. Okay, so they can clean shit out of their ears and, and listen. Uh, the other thing that they don't do is they, they don't write it down. They don't, they don't create a proper concern on the RO. Now, I know for years, people beat into them. Oh, you got to write down customer states. So, you know, I think even a lot of uh, service software starts out, they give you that part. They even put out customer states, and then you fill in the blank. As a service advisor, you might write down, uh, God knows what, really, what you heard, what you think you heard, or what you think is wrong, which is, again, the worst thing you can do as a service advisor, okay? Because there isn't a single, gentlemen, there, there isn't a single service advisor on this planet who doesn't think they're brilliant. There isn't a single service advisor on this planet who doesn't think that they can do your job. And many of them think they can do your job better than you. The ego is is horrendous. Uh, I think it goes along with, you know, being the go between between the customers. I don't, I don't know. It's it's a, it's a personality trait and it seems like an awful lot of them have it. Yeah, I've run into a lot of service advisors who like to do a little thing we call diagnosing from the chair, which is a little dig at them on both ends cuz A, they can't diagnose shit and B, they're not going to get out of the chair. So if they're going to diagnose it's diagnosed from the chair. And I wish that they would stop doing it, okay? You know, I mean, sure, five cars in a row needed the same thing. So when the sixth one rolls in, they write down, oh, this car needs that too. No, don't do that. Because that sixth car is going to be the one car that has the same concern, but has a different fucking cause for that concern. So don't do that. Don't assume anything, okay? Don't 
do it. I mean, it's bad enough that uh, some of the advice floating around in the shop from the other technicians may not be correct for your application and you're too lazy to scope it out. Don't let don't let service advisors tell you what's wrong. The other thing that they do, uh, sir, <laughs> this is just dumb. I. <laughs> It's just a silly little thing. But sometimes service advisors will actually write two concerns on one line. I'll get something like, oh, change, you know, change the oil and and then they'll be like, oh, and there's a bulb out. All in one line. So I'm gonna get paid for changing the oil, and as far as the bulb being out and replacing the bulb, I'm not gonna get paid jack. So don't do that. If you're a service advisor and you're listening to this, straighten yourself up, grab yourself by the ankles and yank your head right out of your ass and stop doing some of that shit. Uh, the other the other thing that happens is if you have an advisor who answers the phone. I, 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 I mean, very few of us have this. A service advisor that answers the phone. Now, as a technician, occasionally we test drive the cars. We're supposed to test drive them all, but especially when the traffic's really bad, it's definitely not gonna happen. And your time is way too valuable for some, for, you know, to take a test drive in some cases, and some it's not necessary at all. But every once in a while I go on a test drive and I have a problem with a car and I either it either won't go anymore or it stalls and won't restart or for some reason you need to call the dealership to have them send somebody to a get you and b get the car and this is when you're going to find out what your customers go through because you call your own dealership you should try this sometime you should call your own shop or dealership and see how quickly they answer the phone if at all now when people drop their car off some people some people are there's no other way around it people some people are just fucking assholes about this but they'll drop their car off and half an hour later they'll call back is my car ready is my car ready? Is my car done? Did you find out what's wrong with it? So if you have to answer the phones at a, at a dealership or a shop where they do a lot of work, you're probably trying to figure out how to kill yourself and not make too big of a mess of it. Really, seriously, because that's like, I think that that's one of the worst jobs in the world. And, and if you're a service advisor and your job is to answer phones as well, then I will freely agree that that is one of the worst jobs on planet earth there's no question about it in my mind um you have to deal with people whose cars are broken and this changes their personality okay if they have one to begin with they don't understand that other people don't give a shit if their car is broken they're the only ones who care we're there to help them but really the level of, of how much we care about their situation is not as high as theirs it's never gonna be so call your place sometime and see how long it takes to answer the phone see if they answer it even at all i i've had times where i've had to call I had a, I worked at a dealership. I had a car. I got it down the road. It, it, it didn't want to run anymore. I needed to have it flatbed it back. I needed a ride back. One or the other or both. And I could not get them to answer the fucking phone. I could not. I ended up having to call one of the guys in the shop that I knew and say, listen, can you go up front and ask them to fucking send a flatbed out, please? Jesus Christ. It was terrible. They don't answer the phones. They're supposed to. The other thing that they do is when they do finally answer the phone, they bring in shit that you don't want them to. Now, this is not a big problem in a dealership, okay? Because if you work at a dealership, you work on typically one, maybe two brands of cars, and only people who own those cars are going to call there and, and ask you to work on their shit, you, I hope. If you work in an independent, though, and I just spent three years in independent hell, then I, I feel for you, okay? I know your pain because anybody with anything can call at any time from any place and ask your service advisor or your service manager or your owner at this particular establishment if they can work on your car or whatever the fuck it is. It might not even be a car. It might be a fucking bulldozer. Or it might be a, a fucking forklift. Who, who the fuck knows? Anything with an engine on it, for Christ's sake. They call up and they say, hey, you know, can I drop off my fill in the blank and try to think of the worst pile of shit that you would ever never want to work on. And that's what they're going to that's what they're going to bring in. That's what's going to happen because these people 
they're in the business to make money and if somebody's got something that's broken they're willing to and they're calling you that means that they're willing to pay someone to fix it and what that means ultimately is they're willing to pay them to have you fix it so if you work at an independent god bless you uh godspeed okay and i honestly i made the move back to a dealership because i get to work on one brand a brand i know a brand i'm familiar with a brand i like Okay, but when when you're talking about service advisors and the other people involved with answering the phones, they can they can say yes or no to anything. It's up to them. So they could say no to perfectly viable cars that you would like to work on and that you would rather work on and that you could make money on. They can say no. They can say no, or they could just disappear and not answer the phones at all. And this is a problem. Or they could say yes, and if you're an independent, they could say yes to some absolutely horrendous shit. You know, I think the the worst automobiles I've ever had to work on. Uh, in my experience, in my short, hellacious, mind-numbing, gut-wrenching three years in independent, so it was a, a Jaguar that made no fucking sense whatsoever, and then an Alfa Romeo, which was just an, a, a flaming pile of shit to begin with, and there was no amount of money or time or energy or parts that was ever going to make it anything other than a big, fat, flaming pile of fucking shit. So, and these are these are vehicles that chase me out of an independent. Won't won't work. Out, won't work. For an independent ever again you know people people ask me now if i could work on a car for them at home and i'm like what do you drive and they're like uh no no sorry not gonna do it now i i said i would i said i would give you the blueprint for a perfect service advisor at the end of this and i i meant it so here it comes there's a lot of work involved with being a service advisor okay and like i said i honestly mean this i think it's the shittiest job in the world i think that that even even Mike Rowe has has called off on this one. He said, hey, I don't want to fucking do that. When you have to deal with people, especially people who are disgruntled with life in general because their car is broken, that sucks. Those people are assholes. Oh, that could be perfectly nice people. Polite, happy, friendly, smart. But when their car's broken, all that shit gets turned off and they become assholes because they need their fucking car and they need to go here and they need to go there and they don't want their car to not work and now you're going to charge them money to make their car work and that just fucking irritates the shit out of them. And I get it. I understand it, but don't take it out on me. I'm the guy trying to help you, okay? But service advisors have to deal with that. And it comes through the phone. It comes through emails, text messages. It comes in person. I think the worst is when it comes through the phone because there's a, uh, a term that I used to throw around called telephone bravery, but it didn't fit as well as the second term I heard for the same thing, which was come, which came from a friend of mine. You're a telephone tough guy. In other words, you're in your house, you're on the phone, you can say whatever you want to whoever you want because they don't know where you live and even if they do, they're not coming there. When you're in person, it's a lot more difficult for people to be evil and mean to you face to face. But on the phone, it's fucking easy as shit. People come in and say, what the fuck? I bought this fucking car and it's a pile of fucking shit. You know, they just rattle on and on and on and you're on the other end of the line going, okay, so uh, what, what do you need me to do for you? You know, so as a service advisor, this part of the job sucks. Uh, the other part of the job that sucks is that you need to listen. Okay, now, I'm I'm one of these people. We're terrible listeners. Terrible. We hear what we want to hear. And most of the time when people are talking, we're just formulating in our mind what we're going to say next and really not listening to what they say. It's a difficult concept uh, for people to get over to us, to each human being, to you, to me, to every person in your life, their life and their experience and what they want is all about them. It should be, okay? You should be the most important person in your own life. There's other people who can be important. Children, obviously, are very important. Your wife, 
important girlfriend important mom and dad very important your brothers and sisters eh, yeah somewhat important but it has to be about you and so as a service advisor their life is about them to them so when people come in and say oh you know i gotta you know my car's all messed up and uh, i think the motor's blown up and whatever and it's like okay whatever no skin off my nose right so you need a service advisor who's going to listen that's that's extremely important and then you need someone who can communicate to you what was said to them and you would think you know let's say you both speak the same language you both speak it you both read it you both write it you both understand it you would think that that person could communicate to you one way or the other either written or verbally what the customer said but people forget things people prioritize the wrong things it happens all the time so you need to find someone who can comprehend and then be able to articulate what they have comprehended very difficult it is it's difficult and i will admit to you my faithful grease the wheel listener that i can't really do it very well because i've just forget shit you know somebody might say to me oh you know i think my engine's blown up my tranny's not working i'll run out back and the guy will go well, what's wrong with this guy's car his engine doesn't work I completely forgot all about his tranny so the blueprint for an excellent excellent service advisor and i had a gentleman that this that was that is this blueprint i call it the tommy blueprint he was tommy was the best tommy was a very smart guy educated intelligent he was an excellent listener he was compassionate and friendly uh, he came in he did the job he gave you 100 percent. everybody liked him he was likable he was lovable he was he was a good guy he still is a good guy he just doesn't work for them and he just doesn't work for the well neither one of us works for the company that we worked for anymore but tommy didn't know anything about cars and he was unabashed about it he did not pretend to know things he did not claim to know anything because he worked there he did not claim to know anything because of what his father did or what his mother did he did not claim to know anything about cars at all so it used to frustrate the shit out of our customers that called there because people would call up and this is what this is what customers do this is one of the things that makes a service advisor's job tough is people call up and say oh you know my car stopped running can you tell me why yeah sure over the phone i can tell you why what the fuck what, are you kidding me what am i kreskin <sighs> let me get my magic eight ball out it says here your fuel injectors are clogged really is that what's wrong with my car no but that's what my magic eight ball says you dick tommy would not tommy was the best because he would not volunteer any information he didn't have any information to volunteer anyway he unabashedly said to us i don't know anything about cars and we said we love it that way that's the way we want it that's what we want you to say to customers. So a customer would call up our shop and say, oh, you know, my, my car is uh, it's going, uh, it's making a weird noise coming from the back end. Do you know what it is? And you go, no, I don't know anything about cars. Oh, can I talk to a technician? Yeah, absolutely not. They're busy fixing stuff that's here now. Your car is not here. Also too, there is no way for me to collect money from you from having our technician help you over the phone. So it's not gonna fucking happen. Okay. So, and you would think that this, you would think that that would be irritating to customers and maybe it is i don't i don't know i i'm not going to call up some i'm not going to call my doctor and say hey i got a pain in my side what do you think it is you know over the phone it's like what the fuck i'm not going to do that but that's probably because i'm a little more intelligent than well let's not let's not get into how intelligent goddamn uncle jimmy is he's not i can assure you of that uh, but i'm not going to do that you know i'm going to call a lawyer up and go hey uh you know i got a speeding ticket i need to be in court in an hour well Good luck. <laughs> I'm not going to be there. Can't call me up at the last minute. Tommy didn't know anything about cars, and it was great because when we told him what we thought a car needed, he didn't argue with us. And if you can believe it, I I'm, I know you got guys like this. Sometimes when I used to tell certain other service advisors what a car needed, they would argue with me. Oh, he doesn't need that. Dude, I don't know what you're used to. I don't know what your life is like. I don't even know where you're coming from personally. Okay, and this is me, not you, not anybody else. 
I don't try to ever sell anybody anything they don't need. Okay, I've made some mistakes. I can't deny that. I have made some mistakes and replaced parts that actually were not the cause of the problem. But that's a whole nother podcast because there are people who do that on purpose to figure out what the problem really is. Okay, that's honestly that's a whole nother podcast. That I can go on for hours about that one, but I I will save that one for later. But I don't. You know, if I say to somebody, I say, "Oh, you need an air filter." I'm like, "Look, I'm." If I say you need an air filter, I looked at the fucking thing and it was black. Okay, so you need one. I put my light, I have, we have, the cars I work on have uh, clear plastic master cylinder reservoirs. And if I put my light up to it and I see that your brake fluid is dark, guess what? I'm going to recommend a brake fluid flush. I don't want my service advisors going, oh, they don't need a brake fluid flush. How the fuck do you know? Did you see their brake fluid? Did you see it? Tommy would never do that. Tommy would just say, oh, this is what you say the car needs. Boom. There you go. And then he would call the customer up straight out. He doesn't know anything about cars. So what he would say is the technician recommended. He wouldn't say we recommend or I recommend. He would say the technician recommends. He would totally take it out of the out of his realm of responsibility. He called the customer and say, well, the technician says that you need two tires, all four brakes. You need a transmission flush, a brake fluid flush, air filter, and an oil change. And that should make your car good again. Well, so, well how, do you, how do you know all that stuff? How do you know I need all that stuff? And he'd say, I don't know. That's what the technician recommended. And they'd be like, well... You know, you can't you can't second guess somebody who's not doing the first guessing. That was the that was the beauty. That was the beauty. And he was also he was very good at staying in contact with customers, which is not something you can train because most most service advisors, quite frankly, they don't want to call customers. And I get that part of it. I get it. I wouldn't want to call up some guy and tell him, say, hey, you know what? You brought your car in for an oil change, but we found four thousand dollars worth of recommendations on the car. Well, guess what? You actually didn't find four thousand dollars worth of recommendations. The technician did. Do it. Go ahead and and. You could even bash the guy if you want. Just say, you know, this technician, he's really anal. And, you know, he's looked the car over real, real close. And he thought that you you should have these items, okay? And then when he says, what do you think? So, well, I always go by what the technician says because he's a professional that knows cars. I'm not. This is something that, that my boy Tommy would do. And he sold a lot of stuff. He, he was very good at it. You know, people said yes. He was like, okay, we'll get it done. Or if they said no, he said, fine, come and get it. You know, he wasn't, he didn't take it personal. He never took it personal. And, and that's one of the problems with service advisors sometimes take it personal it's it's not personal it's business if don corleone has you whacked it's business mikey it's business it's not personal don't take it personal it shouldn't be personal because at the end of the day and technicians know this you know if you've been a technician for more than like a three three months you know that if you're working on a car and it ain't done at the end of the day and the guy's upset about it and he's he's upset with you because you didn't finish it you say oh well i'm not going to take it personal because guess what you know maybe you think it's going to be done but it's not and i'm going to get in my car and drive home Sorry. All right, that's all the time I have for this subject. There's more uh, service advisor uh, stuff that we would like to discuss or that I would like to discuss. But uh, I'm running out of time here. I'm going long. I'm going real long. Going deep. Uh, Go balls deep, crew. Let me know, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen. Let me know what uh, traits your service advisors have or had in the because you might have had some good ones. You might have had some bad ones. Let me know what uh, what traits your service advisors have had or have that you like and that you hate. And let me know what they are. Send them to the uh, email address at the end or the fa- put a, post them on the Facebook page or send us a tweet. Let me know because uh, there's a lot of things that service advisors, some of them are funny. Most of the time it's not, especially when it affects how much money we make. Let me know what you got going on in your shop. Let me know how things go. Let me know how you like the podcast. I'm going to sign off at this point and we're going to bring up the uh, the addresses that you can contact us at after this. But this is uh, your Uncle Jimmy at Grease the Wheels signing off. See you.